Welcome to the OA Serenity Sunday Meeting Podcast. Visit the Los Angeles Intergroup at oalaig.org for information on how to join our meeting live and how to donate to support this meeting and our podcasts. The opinions expressed on the Serenity Sunday Podcast are those of the individual speakers and do not represent OA as a whole. And now our speaker. My name is Arlene G, OG Arlene G, original gangster. Um, That's how I'm beginning. I am a compulsive overeater. I've been in the program for 35 years. I have 25 years of abstinence, which I never acknowledge really, uh, imperfectly doing the deal one day at a time. Um, I probably slipped away for a year and started to go to another food program at some point and then came back. Um, You know, sometimes quickly, sometimes slowly. And I'm definitely of the slow variety. When I first came to the rooms, Uh, Oh, and I've been maintaining a 40-pound weight loss, and it's never good enough, just never good enough. So, you know, and that's kept me from acknowledging myself, you know. So um, when I first came to the rooms, no, let me just, you know, I was really conflicted about how to even talk today, because I always want to go back to what the problem was. And the problem really was that I didn't feel loved in my, in my home. And the food was completely um, restricted for the whole family. My mother controlled everything and the food um, for the whole family. And because she was a suffering compulsive overeater. And I didn't realize that, but every day of my life, I would hear her, you know, she'd look in the mirror and say, oh, I'm disgusted with myself. That was my example. And, um, you know, eventually I really, you know, built this huge resentment and blah, blah, blah. And as soon as I could get out from under, I... um, I did what I wanted. I just wanted to be free. And I was so controlled by my parents were so afraid of letting me grow up. So I just, you know, did my thing. I wanted to be free. Eventually, I was so free that I moved across the country from New York to L.A. And that was a geographic. I also did that because my best friend who was the person who I felt was the only and first one to really love me unconditionally was dying of Hodgkin's disease. And we were young, you know, in our twenties. And I was like, I cannot, I wasn't getting any support. And I left, which, you know, I felt terrible about anyway. um, Once I was free, Anytime there was an abundance of food, I would have at it. There was no abundance in my house, none. 
I mean, compared to somebody else, maybe there was, you know, compared to people who really are lacking. But for me, there was no abundance. It was, you know, the cookie box, I would find it in the back, in the bottom of the trash. You know, that was my mom. I didn't know what it meant to be a compulsive overeater at that time. You know, I learned it. I came by it very, you know, naturally. Um, so, you know, if I would babysit, I would be like going through their food. If I was at my best friend's house, whose parents were, you know, what her father had bipolar. He, I didn't know that, but he would like fill the refrigerator to the brim with, you know, everything from the Italian deli and whatever. And I would be like, yeah, let's party. And, um, but, and I never was a real compulsive overeater. I always had control over my food. So I wasn't like, I didn't have that gift of desperation, which in a certain way is a problem. It was a problem for me, you know, because I could, I could pass. And um, it really was once I had my son, I had made a decision to have a child as a single mom because, you know, I was like, if I don't get the right relationship, I'm doing this. I am going to be a mom no matter what. And I then I like freaked out. And that's when I really put on weight after that. Um, you know, for me, really put on weight. It, it was, you know, too much for me. It was dangerous. But I can't say when I was reading and there is a solution about the different kinds of compulsive eaters. I'm not a real compulsive eater. I'm not a gutter eater. But I'm always... I never like recoiling as if from a hot flame. I'm always thinking about it and feeling, oh, I'm so grateful I got out of the store without hurting myself with food. You know, I don't hurt myself with food today. Uh, I used to, you know, entertain all of this stuff. And uh, I don't do that today. I can. You know, my apps, I've been very rough with my abstinence because it's not black and white for me because of how I was so restricted growing up. I, I just couldn't restrict. Oh, my God, there's that little baby. OK, so uh, <laughs> that will always take me away. Um, anyway, so I came to the program and I had a wonderful sponsor. And like recently, I heard that steps 10, 11, and 12 are the growing up steps and steps one, two, and three are the giving up steps. And I had never heard it like that. And I thought that was so great, you know? And then steps six and seven, to me, were always like the most important things because it was my character flaws that I needed to I needed help with, I needed help. And um, I still need help with that. And to me, that's the crux of the program. I mean, I do admit that I'm powerless over food and I need to stay away from the foods and behaviors that cause me problems. 
I need to name them and claim them. And sometimes I've changed that around. It hasn't been so clear for me. So because I wanted to have my cake and eat it too, because I wanted to think that someday, some way I could, you know, have this thing, but I can't, you know, the foods that are my problems are still my problems. They're the same foods. So I abstain from those foods, but yes, I abstain from those foods. Um, but the, this, there's still a lurking notion. There's still a lurking notion that someday, or, you know, maybe today, this time it will be different. And then I have to have the conversation with myself and with God, who I am calling God. To me, it's a mystery. I don't know. But I know that when I connect with something greater than myself, outside of myself, I get relief. You know, the thing is that I want to connect. That's what I've always, always wanted. I've always wanted to be loved. So I have a loving higher power. Um, and I go to that higher power for love and for guidance. I want guidance. Um, I'm not fighting everything and everyone like I used to be. You know, um, I always like to have the, say this quote that was from the original OA 12 and 12, and it was in step three. And it says, we will no longer simply do what we feel like doing or what we think we can get away with. Instead, we will earnestly seek to learn God's will for us. Then we will act accordingly. We give up fear and indecision, knowing that if we are sincere, our higher power will give us the knowledge of our best course in life, along with the willingness and ability to follow that course, even when it seems difficult and uncomfortable. And yes, and you know, now it's like, I just want to love myself. I, I was feeling like, you know, fight for your right to feel uncomfortable. I mean, I need to feel, I want to feel. I just don't want to use food to anesthetize myself, to make myself feel bad. So I'm trying to think of things, you know, that make me feel good that I can do. And sometimes I do have to just sit with the uncom uncomfortability. And sometimes I can do something else that's loving. Like, what is loving for me? To go take a walk, you know, look at a baby. Like I'm looking now. I can't stop looking. And, um, you know, let the feelings happen and drop my defenses. You know, that's the thing. I don't want to be defensive anymore. I want to be open-hearted and loving. I'm still really working on the judgment. That's like such, like it can happen in a second, nanosecond, where I'm in judgment. And then I have to notice, oh, and I, I do this, I follow this person who talks about, just say, Arlene, you're doing that thing you do again, and laugh as soon as possible. And I try to make light of it. You know, I do laugh. I just laugh about there. I'm doing that thing again that I do not want to do. And then I have to ask my higher power to please relieve me of the bondage of judgment and all of these things, you know, 
Um, let's see. And to soothe myself in healthy ways. I think I said that. You know, am I lovable? I asked myself, yes, I'm lovable. You know, so I didn't get that in the beginning, but that was a long time ago. And I got to make amends to my mother, which was life-changing. Um, absolutely life-changing because I didn't have to beat myself up and keep re-stabbing myself with the things that, oh, she did this. She said that. She didn't do this. You know, I didn't have to ever do that again. So sometimes things come up when I'm talking to my brother and I think, this was what happened, but I'm able to let it go and I forgive her and making amends to her was amazing. And before she died, she, I had the gift of her actually saying to me, I was not kind to you and you didn't deserve it because you were such a good girl. And I'm like, okay, and? You know, give me more, you know, tell me the exact nature of every single thing. But, you know, what a gift. What a gift. You know, she did the best she could. She came from horrible circumstances, you know, horrible. Such poor, poor immigrants and such difficulty. And, you know, I didn't care. <laughs> I cared about me, you know. And, you know, and now I'm a mother. I mean, not now I'm a mother. I'm a mother of an adult child. And I then I want to beat myself up for how imperfect I was as a mother. You know, I, you know, she did, she wanted to be better than her mother. I wanted to be better, better than my mother. And I am, but I'm not perfect. And darn it, that bothers me. You know, I really want to be perfect. And, you know, we know what that's like. Nothing is perfect. And um, let's see. I wrote like a whole thing. And I, then I said, forget it. I really don't like to share. Um, I, I get really nervous. Um, I always felt awkward and unhappy with my body. Um, now I'm so much more in acceptance, um, even though it's not perfect. Um, I no longer want to perceive myself as a victim. I no longer do perceive myself as a victim. I have to change my thoughts. I'm the only one who can do that. And I'm able to just make a shift. Nobody else, no, and no human power could have relieved my thoughts, my overeating, anything. I used to look for the perfect sponsor, the perfect food plan. I would ask everybody, what do you eat? What do you eat? What do you eat? And it's like, you know, what I eat could kill you. What you eat could kill me. We've heard that before. And, you know, humility is the answer for me, for everything, you know, to really be able to humbly ask God, to remove my shortcomings. It's everything. Because I, I walked into here with a set of fixed concepts. Thank you. About how life should be. 
about how I should be, about how you should be, you know, should, should, should. We've heard that. And so today I try to live in this moment. I try to turn everything like right now I'm really going through some physical pain. And I'm trying to love myself through that. Like, what can I do? You know, and it could be so much worse. And I'm just so grateful that it isn't. And just to be in gratitude each day. The one thing, you know, I've been attending the birthday party this weekend, which has been just absolutely spectacular in terms of the international presence. I mean, yesterday there were people speaking from all these countries and they had interpreters. It was just unreal that um, the way that we have reached across the pond and across to everyone, it's just a beautiful thing. Um, You know, I thought before that I had to get what I wanted. I had to fight for what I wanted. I had to make it all happen. And I know, no, you know, just no. It's, uh, it's amazing. And I could look at you and I would see you changing. People I've known here for a long time and I would see the changes in you and I couldn't see them in myself until I did. Until I allowed myself to say, wow, you're really a different person. And I'm not a group person. And I've been here for 35 years. There is no way I didn't like I don't like it. I didn't wasn't a Girl Scout. I wasn't any of those things. I never wanted to be in a group. And um, <clears throat> but the thing is, even when I was struggling, even when whatever, I was growing in this program. That's why, you know, don't leave before the miracle. Keep coming back because I was growing spiritually. And that is what I always really wanted. I thought, oh, I want to be thin. And that whole thing of when this, that will happen, when this, that, no, I'm just constantly growing and changing. And that radio station of KFUK is not playing in my head anymore, you know, because I know that it's up to me to change my attitude. And when I'm struggling to ask my higher power, because that's the flow of the whole thing. You know, it's me who steps away. But when I, oh, I wanted to read something. This was so profound. Let me find this. Well, two things that I wanted to share, but this. I've been involved in this emotional sobriety group lately. and, And Bill Wilson called that like the next frontier. And it is amazing. So this was this Dr. Caroline Leaf. It has been found that 12 minutes of daily focused prayer over an eight-week period can change the brain to such an extent that it can be measured on a brain scan. This type of prayer increases activity in brain areas associated with social interaction, compassion, and sensitivity to others. It also increases frontal lobe activity as focus and intentionality increase. I don't know if you can grok that, just me reading it, but like, wow, you know, change my brain function 
by 12 minutes of prayer. Like for days, I thought it was eight minutes, but 12 minutes for eight days, things start to change. So, you know, I'm loving prayer and meditation. And why would I not do it? You know, why would I not? Because the minute I, I mean, geez, I pray when I'm on my way to my brother's to help with my sister-in-law who has Alzheimer's, who hated me for 30 something years. I pray all the way in the car so that I can be of service, loving service. I'm still kind of looking for her to approve of me, (laughs) which is absurd, but I approve of me, you know, and that, that is so wonderful. Is that my time, Lewis? Oh, almost got, you got 16 seconds. Okay. Well, I love you all. And thank you so much. Thank you, Josh, for asking me to speak and keep coming back. Thanks.